doing this. Yes, thank you so much. Okay, we are now we are now live. GM instead of Grandmaster. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's so let's kick this off. Uh, this is a suspense video, and this is our show Legends, and we are here with another legend, Charlene Harris, that we are talking to to do her career interview, something that we are very excited uh, to be able to do. We had Jeffrey Deaver on. We have a lot of other authors coming up. But Charlene, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's strange you should mention Jeffrey Deaver, since he and I both got named Grandmaster last week. Yeah, from uh, uh, you know, MWA. Jeff's a, what a great guy he is and what a good speaker, an excellent speaker. Yeah, he is one of the best. So let's jump in here. We're going to go all the way back to the early 1980s. Let me try to remember that time. <laughs> We're going to go back 40 years. You might not want to. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, and, and now, so your first book came out in 1981 and it was Sweet and Deadly. And then you had three years later, you had Secret Rage 1984. But let's go just a little bit before Sweet and Deadly. What prompted you to write? And was Sweet and Deadly the first thing you wrote? Or was that just the first thing that got published? Okay, that's a compound question. <laughs> I always wanted to write. Uh, and I always wrote stuff, little things in my spare time. But when I got married the second time to my current husband of 42 years, um, he offered me the opportunity to stay home and write full time since I admitted to him that was what I'd always wanted to do. So what a wedding present that was. Nice. Uh, so I did. And I wrote, uh, to make a, you know, long story short, I wrote Sweet and Deadly uh, through a connection. I submitted it to Houghton Mifflin and they took it. Hmm. So that was technically the first thing you wrote and got published. Yes. Wow. Because some people have those first books in a drawer somewhere and they're like, we can't yeah. let them out. <laughs> the evil will return. <laughs> what prompted you to want to write in the first place? Oh, I just can't imagine wanting to do anything else. Uh, I was such a voracious reader as a child. That was the best present my parents gave me as parents. They always read in front of me. They always showed me the value of books to them. They were both great readers and they, they got me books. I went to the library, uh, so did my brother. We were always a house full of books. In fact, my father had a different book in every room. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm more linear than that. Uh, but growing up, knowing the value of books and, and knowing what it meant to me to be able to, to travel that way you know, I grew up in the Mississippi Delta, the poorest county in the United States. And it meant a lot to me to be able to, to see something else, to go somewhere else, to experience people who lived in very different ways. Uh, and I couldn't imagine being lucky enough to be the kind of person who got to write things down, you know, and share them with the world. Be a storyteller. Yeah. 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 Um I was, I loved books growing up too, and I'm a voracious reader, and I became a librarian because 
I thought, well, I want to share my love of reading to everyone else. And then it was years later when, wait a minute, I could actually be doing this myself. <laughs> Librarian was my fallback position. Oh, there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask, what's your dog's name? Well, this one is Colt. Uh, if you see hey, another Cole. one who looks more like a Corgi, that's Abigail. Oh. They're both adopted rescues. That's wonderful. It's nice to have them on. It's nice to have Colt on. We'll see if Abigail decides to jump around. I've got the dog door right next to my desk. Yeah. So uh, you can hear her come in and out. Oh, awesome. Now, of course, the one thing that every, and, and we're going to, I'm just going to mention this, but a lot of people, of course, know you for Suki Sackhouse and the, the true blood and the phenomenon that HBO, that show was. But before that, and Jeff and I, of course, I mean, my favorite series that you, you know, that you have is the Aurora Tear Garden series and the oh, yeah. stories that are on um, the Hallmark Mystery Channel with Cameron, um, what's her last name, Cameron? Candace Cameron Bure. Candace Cameron Bure, that's right. Um, Cameron is her last name, that's, that's right. So you kind of started that series with the book Real Murders and, you know, it became, uh, a fabulous like I mean it was a great cozy series it was a wonderful kind of mystery series so let's start getting into a little bit of Aurora Tea Garden and let's get into the books of you know the creation of her and what was your um, you know thought process when wanting to write a mystery series well uh, the first two books were mysteries and uh, that was what I read primarily mm -hmm. growing up so uh but I also read science fiction too. But uh, mysteries were what I felt like I could write. I felt like I knew the structure well enough to, to do that. And when I started the Aurora Tea Garden books, I was hoping they would ask me, I was hoping I would be asked to write a series. Series were uh, a coming trend right then, which was, you know, like when dinosaurs were weird. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I wanted to write a series and I could do a series about librarians because my mom was a librarian and I felt like I could be more realistic though. As it turns out, she doesn't really do a lot of librarianing. No. Uh, <laughs> she's too busy, you know, hunting down killers, which is what every librarian does in her off time. Uh, but anyway, I love being in libraries and I love the books surrounding and I started out with the idea that she would belong to this, to Real Murders, a club that investigates unsolved murder cases. And I really enjoyed that a lot. I didn't go back to it often enough in the books, but I did give her a very interesting social life. So that was fun too. Well, one of the, th I'm a huge Hallmark junkie. Um, I watch yes. all the, all the movies. And Thank you. Love them. I love them. Love them. It's my favorite of all the films that they do. And yeah, and I have to say, um, they're going to be airing the 16th one in the film series in June. Yeah. So talk about how this came to be. Um, how did Hallmark get them? And um, now that they've sort of eclipsed the books, are you happy with the arc that she's doing? You know, in the broadest sense, the arc that the writers of the TV show are doing doesn't make any difference to me. Okay. To me, the 
interest in the TV shows is the fact that they show, at the beginning I have a screen where it says, from the books by Charlene Harris. That's my benefit. That uh, hopefully induces people to go back and buy the books. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's the difference it makes to me. They could have her an astronaut and it wouldn't make any difference to me as long as it said, from the books by Charlene Harris at the beginning. Uh, Aurora in space. <laughs> That might be a, you never know. Someone dies on the International Space Station. Maybe she visits, <laughs> hey, Elon Musk is involved. This could work. It could be a winner. Uh, I, of course, I, I do watch them. Uh, they usually send them to me ahead of time. Uh, not exactly for my commentary. <laughs> not because they really want to know what I think because that doesn't really make any difference. But uh, because it's a courtesy to me uh, that I see them ahead of time. And, and I really do enjoy them. They've gone way past any of the situations in the books. So I never know what's going to happen either. So it's, it's entertaining to me to watch. That's cool. Well, how do they, um, how do they start? Well, there are people talk to my people. <laughs> uh, that's, that's really pretty much how anything starts. Well, my agent, uh, I'm not sure I had my agents in Hollywood then. Now I go, I'm with APA out there. So any approaches about books to screen come through APA uh, now. Uh, before they would just talk directly to my book agent, who's Joshua Bilmes at Jabberwocky. Uh, and uh, Joshua would call me and say, well, are you at all interested? And I'm going, heck yeah, I'm interested. Yeah. Uh, and we would work something out. Or a lot of times it falls through. I've had an option on the Aurora books previously that fell through, but it- I was just gonna ask if that was the first- No, yeah. no it wasn't. Uh, but it was the one that ultimately got made. Yeah. And the, the Hallmark people are so pleasant to deal with. They're really- just uh it's it's a very different experience than i've had with with other companies they're just very easy to deal with the producer is always uh telling me what's going on and uh it's it's really a warmer relationship than i've had at, at other times mm -hmm. now Aurora, so you've been writing the series and it started in 1990. Your last book came out in 2017. So there's always been like a little bit of, you know, um, breaks kind of in between. Is there a reason for that? Was that because kind of Suki took over at some kind of a point? Because it looks like 2003 to 2016 was like the largest gap in between books. Did you miss her? Um, you know, what was the kind of like the reasoning for kind of coming back after 13 years and then say, let's get back and jump into Aurora again. Well, as you say, I was busy. I wrote the, in that interim, I wrote the Sookie books and the Harper Connolly books too. Correct. Uh, and so I had, and the Aurora books were fun to write. I enjoyed them and they got nominated for an award or two, mm -hmm. but they were not big moneymakers when they first came out. So I want, of course, I wanted to write what was making the money mm -hmm. uh, because that was, you know, oh, Suki was so eat. to write. It was so different. Uh, but then when the, the movies were so popular, 
they said, what well, would you be interested in writing anymore? And I thought, you know, I did kind of leave her in a place where I could, I could say more about her life. But when she got pregnant and had the baby, I wrote one with her, with the baby. And then I thought, I'm, I just am not going to write anymore because it's irresponsible of a woman with an infant to go around solving murders. I'm sorry. It just is. That's being a bad mom. So, so I just thought, no, I'm not going to do that to her. She wouldn't like it. Okay. Uh, let's talk about uh, your uh, Shakespeare Lily Bard series because you did five of those. Yeah. How did those come about? I wanted to write something darker. Uh, I enjoyed writing Aurora very much, but at that time in the mystery world, there was a lot of disdain for cozy writers. Oh. And of course that made me angry because I thought I was a good writer, no matter what I was writing. And I, I wanted to write something darker to just kind of say, see, I can be dark too. Right. I, turned out I could uh, and I enjoyed writing the Lily books in a, a more uh, deeply satisfying way I felt like I was saying something that was valuable to say uh, it was the first time it really occurred to me I had something I truly wanted to say so I did and uh, I'm really proud of those books yeah now you said something that was interesting I'd like to go back on it why would and, and I, you know, I wasn't a cozy author, and, and so I don't know. But what was the disdain that you felt in the cozy world? What was going on at that time? Were they just not buying him? Were they just? Oh yeah, they were. They sold really well. Yeah. Hard-boiled people who, not all of them, and I, but I've got to say, it was mostly men mm -hmm. who had the uh, attitude of, "Why don't you take your fluffy kitten and go home?" Oh. It was, uh, and it was, it wasn't cleverly disguised or anything. Hmm. It was, uh, it was very overt. Uh, I, I like to think that wouldn't happen now. So they wanted just more of darker tones is what people, what publishers were looking for, or? They just didn't think that these are writer, other writers. They just didn't think that people who wrote traditional mysteries were really very good writers. Ugh. It was like the, the position you fell back to if you couldn't write hard-boiled. Right. That, was, that seemed to be the way they felt about it. And I thought, yeah, because a detective who gets up out of his bed at the hospital with a concussion and goes to finish the job with no pay because he's just dedicated to finishing <laughs> the job, that's realistic. Right. Yeah, exactly. But... So real quick about Aurora, I just want to go back one time. Is there, when, when people are jumping into the series now and maybe they're just finding out about the movies and they're like, wow, I had no idea that this was a book series. Do you, and then they come maybe to a book signing and they ask you about it. Do you tell them to kind of say, hey, this is a good book to kind of start with? Or do you just say you can just kind of read the back and jump right in wherever you want to go? How do you answer that question to your fans when they ask you about the series? It's always better to start at the beginning, okay. I think. Uh, there are series in which the character never changes. Mm -hmm. And you could literally jump in anywhere and that character's not going to change from the first book to the 20th book. But that's not 
my characters do change. And I think it's always more interesting to follow the, the genesis of a character. Uh, it's, it just makes the character more interesting to me. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about Suki because, you know, myself being a former librarian, I always hung out with waitresses who were psychic and dealt with vampires. So <laughs> well, he's got more stories than not being a librarian. Though. That's, the, that's, that's the tamest one he's got. <laughs> what I, how did, the, how did this whole world and universe pop yeah, up? In much your different mind? path. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. Well, I, I like to think, it keeps me more entertained if I write very different things. Otherwise, my brain starts to feel a little stagnant. Okay. Uh, I think mm -hmm. I really have to keep things moving and uh, back and forth to keep my brain happy and working. Uh, though some would probably disagree with that. Uh, <laughs> but Suki came from, uh, I usually start with a character and then I imagine the world that would have to be to let that character have her being. Uh, what would the world have to be like to where she could operate in it? Uh, she could make a living, she could do all these things. So gradually, uh, I thought about uh, a waitress. She, she wasn't a waitress at first, but I thought, what job could she have where she could easily meet lots of people uh, professionally uh, and yet go home to a quiet life? And that, that one occurred to me. It's a good one. Yeah. So I talked to a lot of waitresses also, so I could at least get some semblance of reality on that. Uh, I've never had to, that's never been my job of choice, but I did talk to a lot of people who had, who had made their living that way. <laughs> and so she gradually just evolved and I wanted her to, to have some kind of disability to where she couldn't date regular human guys uh, because I wanted her to have to date a vampire. So uh, I took all those factors and they kind of let them stew in my head for a while. And then Suki kind of evolved out of that. And uh, then her world evolved uh, out of who she is. Uh, and that's pretty much the way I write first the character, mm. then the world. Okay. Did it take you some time? I mean, how long did she percolate in your head before you finally put her to pen to paper? A while. She, a while. Uh, a few months anyway. Okay. Uh, and I came to a place where I had some free time, so I wrote Dead Until Dark. And it took my agent two years to find someone who would publish it. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So... So, so it was kind of like, I mean, I've, I've interviewed Ann Rice and she told me that she almost quit writing because interview with a vampire, what she, if she didn't think it was selling. And then about a year and a half after the book came out, she got words from her publisher, like, oh my gosh, this book is a huge underground hit and it's going to yeah. explode. And she was like, what? And she like had no idea. Was that kind of the same way for Suki? Like when the books, when, the, when book one came out, was it an automatic hit or was it something that was a slow percolate and then it kind of hit? Well, it, it was funny. After two years, we had sold it to John Morgan uh, at um, Penguin. And 
he was a junior editor then, and he's gone on to follow many career paths since then. But he really believed in it, and it did very well out of the gate, pretty much. Uh, it was really a surprise to everyone, everyone but me. <laughs> I really believed in that book, and I thought, uh-huh. you know, if anything accelerates my career, this will be the book, which was a minority viewpoint among everyone I knew professionally. Uh, but it but it worked. I mean, the book, people were going, and mostly because of the beautiful first cover I had from Lisa Disemini, because it was such a weird cover. And it took off really well. And then they came back and they said, well, we'd like some more books. And I was going, okay, now's when the money starts to go up. And it did. <laughs> now the money goes up. Now the money goes you want up. more Suki? You write a bigger check. <laughs> I will qualify for welfare. Anyway. Exactly. <laughs> well, how did the uh, series come into being? HBO, you know, um, you had a fantastic cast. You had Alan yep. Ball behind it. How did all that come about? Alan Ball. Uh, he picked up a copy of Dead Until Dark at a Barnes and Noble while he was waiting to go to a dentist appointment. Are you and, kidding me? No. Wow. See, that's the, I mean, the, the, that's just amazing. I that love he's it. waiting for a dentist appointment, goes into a Barnes and Noble and just happens to pick it up and is like, uh, I'm going to do a TV show on this freaking series. <laughs> he said he thought he'd read a chapter before bed and then he stayed up and read seven. So, uh, he had never adapted. I don't believe he'd ever adapted anything before. Mm-hmm. So it was a new process for him and, of course, a very new one for me, too, because I'd never had anything that actually made it to the screen. Right. So it was a pretty exciting time uh, being on the set. And uh, I did the red carpet once. And it, it was just, it was crazy, really mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, it was fun, too, but it was also stressful. Stressful as in how? Uh, well, the expectations immediately went up. Okay. And people would meet me and, and they would say things like, but you seem so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Am I not nice? Because I write, I write right. with vampires. You're like, I'm nice and real. This is my alter ego. That's why I do this. Uh, I am a nice person. I hope. Yeah. I mean, I try, but uh, they expected, I don't know what they expected, but not me. <laughs> <laughs> they say, but you look just like my aunt. Oh. And I thought, oh, okay, I'd probably like her then. <laughs> now, wow. now, at what point, though, because the show kind of veers a little off from the books, um, you know, so... But it didn't really start out that way, from what I understand, in like season one. Now, my wife had watched the whole season. I kind of jumped in and out. I didn't really catch the whole thing. But at what point did it just start to like veer away? And then it was almost it was almost like a Game of Thrones situation that you had at first, where it was like the books were one thing, but the show was something different. And that was hard to explain to people. They would yeah. say, they would say things like, "How can you let them do that?" To oh, exactly. Books? And I'm going. There's no let. Yeah. <laughs> there is no let. When you sign 
they have the right to your characters mm -hmm. and they will dispose those characters as they see fit because they're writing a different story. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a different goal. They have a different narrative. The books are all first person. Uh, a TV show can't be filmed that way from with one person in every scene. I, it has to be more of an ensemble. So naturally there were things they had to do and wanted to do and should have done because they're not me. <laughs> they are other writers who feel like they have just as much talent and, and they know where they want it to go. So it was really hard to explain to people who expected this to be, and I didn't know what to expect either, right. uh, who expected this to be like a transcription of the books. And I had to say, no, it's, it, it can't be that way. And it shouldn't be that way because I wrote the books and other people are writing these scripts. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, it was a confusing time uh, in terms of uh, viewer expectations and reader expectations. Gotcha. I was going to say, you should tell people that uh, they tied you up in your kitchen and <laughs> demanded you... <laughs> Until you relented. <laughs> we want Lafayette to live. <laughs> oh, I want to talk to you about genre for a second because beginning writers especially have this problem when they write something, they're told, well, you know, what genre box does it fit in? And you, you, you are successful. Around, in more, yeah. And, yeah. And multi-genre. So could you talk a bit about genre? I think there's a lot more cross-genre now than there was back when I, I started doing it. And let me point out again that it took two years to sell Sookie mm -hmm. because no one knew what to do with it. They would say, we don't know where to put it in the store. And I said, on the end cap. That's where it belongs. <laughs> on the end cap. Everyone can see it. Uh, and I like that. Yeah. That's it was a confusing book to market, but ultimately it was what people were waiting for mm -hmm. to my great good fortune. Uh, and it was certainly the breakthrough book I was waiting for because my career was just kind of dribbing and drabbling along uh, and I was happy with it, but I would have, I kept thinking, am I ever gonna find the breakout book? Mm -hmm. The book that that crosses me over into a different wage bracket. And it's not really so much the money, though money's always nice, but it's nice to get the recognition. And uh, eventually I was able to do that, but it, I just had the right book at the right time with the right publisher. They were publishing Laurel K. Hamilton too. Oh, yeah. So uh, it was it was a net more of a natural match for them than it was any other publisher. Makes sense. Yeah. So when you were what was it was it a challenge though when you had to write Sookie and the series was going on HBO and they kind of were different and you have your fans, you know, your readers, you had the fans of the show. Maybe some of the fans of the show were not readers and some of the readers did not watch the show, vice versa. But was there a challenge of you having to write the books while the show was going on to, for, you know, 
did you ever cross in your mind like, God, you know, should I do more of what the show's doing or should I just stick with this lane? How was that conversation happening in your head? Luckily for me, I was already five books into the series mm -hmm. by the time the TV show came on the air because uh, they had started filming and then the writer's strike in Hollywood happened and everything stopped for a year. Well, that time I kept on writing Sookie, you know, the way I had been. And it really kind of established her and me uh, as the producers of the, the production company for that, for the books. Uh, and then uh, when Alan and his team changed quite a few things, that was okay because I knew what, where I was going by that time. And I didn't have to hesitate and try to outthink them because I had my own path and I was, I knew, I knew how the series would end, but I was still having a good time getting there. Okay. Gotcha. Let's talk about ending because I know your fans want you to keep writing the books and well yeah. as you know, they wanted the series to keep going as well. Um, I know that you did uh, something called After Dead, What Came Next, and then you also did a tribute with other authors. Could you talk a bit about, well, I, I saw your look when I asked you about the ending. <laughs> <laughs> Could you talk a bit about that? Uh, when the Suki series ended, that was probably one of the worst times in my life. Mm. Uh, people were sending me uh, hate mail, death threats. One yeah. woman said, I curse your children. Wow. You told me this in BoucherCon when we met. It's incredible. It's yeah. That anybody would, would threaten my, my children. Huh. Over a book series. A, from a it, fictional character. Wow. But you created in your head that that's the thing. It's almost like they felt that they had ownership over a character that you created. Exactly. They said, <laughs> I wrote the ending wrong. And I'm going, excuse me. This yeah. is my series. I created these characters. They live only in my head. Right. I do not have them in my basement. You know. Yeah. Not All that we know of. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, it Maybe just, that's where Colt went. It infuriated me, and it saddened me, and it scared me. Yeah. Uh, it took me a while to get over that, uh, but eventually I realized that these were my characters. I originated them, and I ended the series the way I'd always planned on it. I did not mislead anyone. I did everything but draw... Uh, blinking arrows towards the ending <laughs> when mm -hmm. I could see how it was going because I thought people aren't gonna get this they're not gonna get this so I started trying to be even clearer about where I was going and uh, still there were people who uh, who believed that I deliberately deceived them and uh, were really mean they I was really mean to Eric you know, and I tell people because uh -huh. I hear I'm a big Star Wars fan and people complain about, oh, well, Star Wars, you can't do that. You know, Luke wouldn't do this or this wouldn't do this wouldn't happen. I'm like, if you know what the ending's already going to be, isn't that boring? Like if it's going to end the way that you thought it was going to end, isn't that boring? There's no surprise. There's no suspense. You're just rushing to get to the ending that, you know, you want. You want this person married to this person or this person married to this person. That's boring to me. And 
they should trust you as an author that you created something that they love so much that you're going to treat her and the characters in the right way that you see fit. That's the mindset that I don't understand from, from, from fans thinking that they own you, even sports fans thinking that they own this, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? I don't get that mentality. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. And hopefully all that has kind of gone away now that it's been like seven or eight years past that all that has kind of whooshed away. Every now and then I get an apology. Oh, good. Oh, good. They woke up. I'm sorry I said those things to you. Uh, because I realize now it, that series was yours to end, and I'm going, well, thank you very much. Uh, but it is kind of gratifying that some people realize that they really stepped over quite a few lines in their reaction. I, I, I don't know. I got over it. I'm tougher than, than I thought I was, and I just, I said, well, I, when people say... And what do you think? Are you thinking about your fans when you write? And I'm going, no, I'm writing, I'm writing the book. How can I predict? Right. I mean, I have to write the book that seems right to me. And because I, I'm the, the god of that book. Yeah. And I'll, I'll dispose of it as I see fit. And I have to hope that people will see that. Uh, We'll see the sense in the way I picked to end it, or uh, we'll at least not feel like it's the end of their world. Right. I think if you're trying to write to make fans happy, you should be a politician, not an author. Yeah. The story's the story. It I is what it, it is. It's like my books. I love it when they buy my books. Yeah. But I'm the ultimate judge of what goes into it. Accept it, or Rorty Garden dies in the next book. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So real quick, I just real quick, Jeff, for you have a question. Is there any plans to maybe bring Sookie back in a different format, like a full length motion picture at some point? Has that ever been talked about? Because sometimes when these series go away, somebody is like, oh, you know, and then they want to kind of bring it out and rehash. Is there any any reboots, talk with bring, Yeah, with bringing yeah, Sookie back to the screen. HBO is rebooting the series. Aha, there it is. Uh, not that they told me. Oh, so they still own that character then for yeah, a length said, of time. They do. They do. Okay. And they, they say they're going to reboot it. Uh, I found out from Variety. <laughs> wow. <laughs> going, ooh, ooh. And, and not even because I take Variety, but a friend of mine does. And she said, I guess you knew about this. And I'm going, oh, I guess I didn't. Oh. Um, but there again, it, it really doesn't have anything to do with me. They're quite right. Um, sure. uh, they've still got the right to the characters. And as I understand it, Alan doesn't really have a lot to do with it either. Though I think he's going to be listed as a producer. But they're going to start again. They're going to scrub the slate and start with all new characters. Oh, so not even new characters of mine that they didn't use, but new characters they're inventing. New so. actors and actresses too, huh? Uh, yes. Totally clean slate. Like the first one never uh, happened. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, More I'm book sales for Suki, baby. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> still have to say from the books by Charlene. That's right. They still got to say it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really kind of looking forward to what happens with that. Very nice. Cool. And I've got a contract of... Uh, 
the Harper books are in development with a Canadian film company. Ooh. And Gunny Rose uh, is in development with a, also. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, the first thing I was going to say is there seems to be a trend with uh, taking shows and films that were really popular and bringing them back in some form. And nine times out of ten, they shouldn't have bothered. I hope that this is the tenth one. <laughs> I hope so, too. I hope, uh, you know, Mid I really wanted Midnight Texas to last. I thought it was really good. And it yeah. lasted two seasons. Yeah. I, I was really disappointed in that. Uh, because I had a great time on the set, loved all the actors, thought the scripts were wonderful, uh, the special effects were really good, and I was very disappointed when it didn't catch on the way I hoped it would. Yeah. Well, um, let's let's talk about Midnight Texas. I'll, we'll jump ahead a little bit um, because it looks to me like you visioned it as a trilogy anyway. So I was hoping there was going to be at least three seasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, they compact it. They had. Uh, elements of all three books in the first season because I guess they didn't know if they'd get another season or not. Uh, so the second season was interesting but but really new to me. I mean, almost all the material was new. I would have liked to have written some more Midnight Texas books but the fact is they didn't sell super great compared to the Suki books when they came out and readers vote with their checkbook. Yeah you know, whether a series keeps, continues or ends really depends on how well they sell. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I thought they were great. I, I enjoyed writing them. It was a whole different thing for me. It that wasn't was in the first person. It was an ensemble cast and I moved from point of view to point of view. And uh, it was really a, a, a learning thing for me. So... To kind of put Sookie to bed a little bit on this one, now that the show is going to be rebooted, is the series maybe going to be rebooted? Not, not. What if it's extremely popular and it's like Game John, of Thrones John, John, popular? John, John. I mean, still, the pressure yeah. is going to be so immense to bring her back. There, I had always thought, and I've often heard this from readers. Uh, that they would like to have another book with mm -hmm. the word tiger in it, Quinn. Uh, he was a very popular character and I really loved writing him. He's like my Mr. Queen fantasy. Um, and I, I thought, you know, I maybe wouldn't mind writing another book about with Quinn as the main character. So, uh, you know, it's, it's faintly possible it could happen. For years I said, I will never, ever, ever go back oh. there. So because you're saying there's a chance. So bad, but never, ever, ever, it turns out it's a relative term. Yeah. <laughs> it's never, ever today. Tomorrow, yeah. eh, there's a chance. There's a chance. A slim chance. That's a good thing. Yeah. But you know what? That's something fans can be like, you know, going like that. They're really hoping. So that'd be good. But you got to feel it. And it's got to be the right story for you. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. So yeah. yeah, I have to feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And then you can put in other demands like I need brown M&Ms, I need ABBA to get back together. You know, it's just, <laughs> you can do all that. Right. Well, you, men you mentioned Harper. Uh, let's talk about the series because you did uh, four of them and there also were uh, graphic novels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. During so cool. Suki's time. You wrote this during Suki's time. So yes. you had double duty going on at that time. But I didn't, I didn't write the graphic novels. And, right. Uh, people 
often believe I did. And so when they bring them to me to sign, I'm going, you know, I didn't write these. So I'm feeling a little weird about signing it. And they just want me to go in and sign it. Now I did what I did with Christopher Golden. I did write a graphic novel series called Cemetery Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really had a good time doing that. Chris and I worked together really well. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, and I, I enjoyed that. It was there again, a big learning curve for me. Yeah. Graphic novels dialogue is like this big. <laughs> yeah. Completely different, completely different from a book, uh, yeah. a, a regular novel, at least to me, you know, I, I had a, a hard time, but finally Chris got it through my skull, what I had to do to write it. And we got, we just, we just enjoyed the whole process so much. Right. Well, I, I have to ask, um, since we're talking about writing other um, formats, you wrote video games. <laughs> Is that correct? No. Uh, oh, but you had two come out and I thought one of them you did write. No. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, one came out and then one has been on the back burner for years. Really? Years. Uh, and I've met the people, they're delightful people, but they cannot seem to, to finish it. Uh, oh. So, I don't know. It's based on the Lily Bard books. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they got a lot of it done, and then, I don't know, I never hear from them, and it's been a long, a long time. So I'm not feeling too optimistic about that. Oh, Which, sure. What format was it supposed to be in? Like a PC game? Was it going to be uh, mobile? Was it? Uh, no. I'm not very good with the technology with technical terms, um, but it was a uh, uh, it was a mul- like a multiple choice. You could take the the solving the mystery in different ways. Oh, it, like it old choose your own adventures. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, uh, and I looked at a lot of the graphics from it. I enjoyed them, um, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't seem to ever materialize. So. Pretty interesting. Yeah. So now, are there any plans to maybe revisit Harper in the future after the four books that you had written about them? You know, I wouldn't mind writing another Harper. Uh, I don't know if my publisher really wants any, but uh, I've often thought about writing another Harper seriously, uh, mm-hmm. TV deal or no TV deal. I really enjoyed the character. I really enjoyed her weird relationship with her brother and uh i like i liked writing about harper she was uh she had some unique challenges very nice well let's talk about gunny rose since uh, i know that that's the most recent series you're working on you got a big smile on your face yeah um i love alternate history and so let's talk a bit about how you sort of blend magic into the narrative and how did gunny rose come about uh, there again, uh, I, I started out with the character in the world that had to be built around her, was constructed around what she wanted to do, which was kill a lot of people. Uh, and it had, she had to not get arrested every time. So it had to be a different America. Uh, and I decided when America splintered, and I got that all worked out in my head, and uh, the world gradually presented itself to me. And 
the first time I wrote about her was for a short story in an anthology that Sean Speakman put out. Oh, uh, yeah. and it, I really, I loved writing that story so much. She was such a, a genuine character. I, I just thought, oh, this just feels cleansing writing her. So uh, after I finished the story, I thought, yeah, I wouldn't mind writing a book about her. Uh, and then just at that time, uh, Penguin let me go. And my agent met with an editor at Saga Press, Joe Monty. And Joe said, is Charlene writing anything new? Because if she's at Liberty, I would love to do a book with her. And I'm going, I'm so at Liberty. <laughs> 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 I would just love to do a book with you. And really, we get along great. Uh, I've written three books in the series. And I'm working on the fourth. I got a contract for the fourth and fifth. So. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's always encouraging. Now, the third book is out uh, this year, correct? Yes, it came out in February. The February, okay, yeah. So do you have a title for book uh, four yet? No, it's driving me crazy. What? Uh, it's about her little sister, Felicia, her half-sister. Okay. But the title, The Little Sister, is kind of already taken. Right. Uh, so I can't use that, and I've been... Uh, every day when I don't have anything else to do in my head, I worry about the title of that book because it really helps me if I've got the title. Mm -hmm. So, so this, yeah, so the series goes, so it was an easy, an easy death and then you had a longer fall and now, so the Russian cage is um, the latest one. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about your writing style. Do you write kind of every series, even though they're different characters, do you still have the same kind of writing style throughout or do you change your writing style a little bit or how you write and depending on the genre that you are getting into? Like is Aurora written the same way as Gunny Rose? No, uh, I don't think so. If I called, maybe, maybe someone with a, a computer um, app to analyze my word choices would say different. But to me, the word choices and the, to some extent the action are determined by the character of my protagonist. Interesting. Okay. You, I was going to say, you do a lot of short stories. Uh, to me, you're sort of like, uh, I don't want to say the anthology queen, but you're in a lot of them and they're all great. How do you think in terms of taking your big world building and putting it into such a compact story? To me, that's difficult. It's so hard. Short stories are so hard to write, and that's why I do it, uh, because it really it makes me focus, it makes me change my vocabulary, it makes me change my style. I, I disagree with you. I don't think I'm a very good short story writer. Uh, oh, I, no, I, you I, are. I, oh, please. Astronomically good short story writers. Uh, but the one I wrote for, do you remember uh, Bill Crider? The Western, uh, he wrote mysteries set in uh, in the West uh, with Sheriff Dan Rhodes, and he was he was a good a friend of mine. I loved him dearly, and when he passed away, they did a, a tribute anthology called Bullets and Other Hurtful Things, and my short story in there is really my favorite short story I've ever written. Oh, oh, nice! It's called Aunt Tally. And it's, I, I don't know, I just 
the first draft was a catastrophe, but the second one, I thought, okay, things have to happen. As you pointed out earlier, things have to happen that you don't expect. Right. So uh, I, I did think of some things I didn't expect and it made the story so much richer. I'm just, uh, every time I'm feeling really bad about myself, I read that story and I think I did okay on that one. Some others, not so much, but I did okay on that one. I was going to say, I know Sean Speakman. He's, he's a very fr good friend of mine. And uh, he, he runs something called The Signed Page. And I've been over to his house once where um, the author was actually signing. And you couldn't walk into his place because there were so many books. It was just wonderful to be surrounded by so many books. Um, let's go back to Gunny Rose a second. Um, because you've had success in terms of having your work made into TV film. And honestly, the one that didn't do as well is because honestly, my opinion was on network TV. It was not a network television show. Um, hello people. Uh, <laughs> do you see any hope for Gunny to go on like uh, HBO or uh, cable network? You said she was optioned. Uh, she was optioned, but I don't know what uh, network or streaming service the producer is aiming for. Uh, I really think Gunny would do better um, off network. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those are essentially about uh, a woman who shoots a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I, I think and any of the streaming services off network can kind of go that way. And, and it's great. And, they, and I think that that's they've been really pushing the boundaries on series and TV. And I think that that would be the place that you have to go. Agreed. Those have to yeah. go there. Yeah. I mean, it's not vanilla N network might be good for some things, but I think streaming is where you get the real good crux of the stories. Now. Uh, I, I watch television now and I'm, and now I'm not ashamed to say it. <laughs> 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 it used to be uh, maybe 20 years ago. I would say, you know, I watch television sometimes. But you know, it's easy to say I watch television and think, yes, because yeah. the writing is really good. Yeah, absolutely. I, so when when you kind of look back, uh, you know, over your career and for where you started out, you know, all the way back in 1981 and now coming up today, is there one thing, is there maybe like a book or something that you wish that you would maybe go back and change a little bit or maybe add something to or finish something off. Is there something maybe that you wanted to, you know, kind of looking over your career that you'd like to maybe go back and fix or change or everything kind of went the way that you wanted to in the books? I'm not big on looking back. I can't change okay. anything. Uh, I have to just concentrate on doing the best I can going forward. And that's really the way I think. Uh, no matter what mistakes I made in my life and in my career, they're done. Uh, I want to go forward and do better all the time. Cool. Um, John's going to know my next question because when we do our podcast together, <laughs> here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Um, the series versus standalone argument. Um, why do you prefer writing series as opposed to writing a standalone novel and then writing another standalone novel? I don't see why there's any argument about it. People write what they're called on to write. There's no uh, better 
way to do it. I like writing series because I get to develop characters all the way through. I get to revisit people I've missed. And I enjoy that. It, writing standalones is reinventing the wheel every time. And there are some writers who do excellently at that. They enjoy it. I like to take a world and, and develop it a little bit and meet the people and get to know them a little better because that's just the way I like to write. So I don't think there's a versus in there, really. The, and the reason why I do the, the more of the standalones to the series, I'm not a fan of series that have no foreseeable ending. And it's like, it's, it feels like you're just getting the same book over and over where you read the back of the book and it's kind of like, now this is the most diabolical villain they've ever faced because that's what you said the last time, you know? And so it kind of seems it's like the same story. But with your series, See, you, there, there's an ending that you, you can kind of see that there's an ending coming and you're going to wrap things up. And I like that. I like knowing like trilogies or Harry Potter, seven books or something. Hey, the author's taking me down this road and it's not a road that will never end. It's actually a road that I'm going to come to a conclusion and that's exciting to me. So, yeah. I like that too. Uh, yeah. I, I can't write the same book over and over and make characters stay the same. No. To me, that's just not interesting as a career mm -hmm. I, I like to write characters that change characters that have terrible things happen to them and yeah. sadly i am the person who does all those awful things <laughs> uh, and sometimes i feel really bad about it uh but sometimes i think you know if i feel really bad about it that's the thing i should do so uh my career is more thinking of awful things to do to my people, but having them uh, gain something in return too, because that's what life is, checks and balances. Yeah. Right? It's true. So as we wrap up the end here, I just got to know, is there a funny story about a book signing? Was there something funny that happened like at a book signing when someone came up to you and kind of you know just kind of made you laugh that kind of sticks in your head where you just laugh about like right now you're laughing so many <laughs> so, i could never have believed how um how many people are willing to be weird <laughs> willing to be weird. <laughs> you know right out front uh right out front uh there was a woman came to and this is slightly indelicate i guess a woman came to one of my signings and she, she had had a few Oh, okay. she was she was stoked up and she was she had on all her jewelry and her makeup and she was really uh, like a middle class lady in her 40s. And she leaned over and she said, I just want to know, how did you get all those lovely penises in your book? Let's <laughs> <laughs> go. <gasps> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> There's no answer. There's no possible answer. To There's that. no answer to that one. <laughs> There's really no answer. Yeah. Huh. Well, I love that. <laughs> so your website, is that the best place for everyone, of course, to keep up all their information about you and the most current information you keep on there? And what social media platform do you like to use the most? I use Facebook a lot. Uh, okay. I have a professional page on Facebook. And uh, I, I visit that every day. I'm much better about that than keeping my website up. And I'm so ashamed of myself uh, for that because all it would take would be telling my website gal, I need this on there and she would do it. But uh, 
uh, and I have a, a gal who does my Instagram for me okay. because that turned out to be the thing I didn't have time to do. Yeah. I mean, you have to draw a line somewhere, somewhere so you can get your writing done. Right. Right. If you're on social media every day and you fall into that rabbit hole, you're not going to write because you can fall into that rabbit hole easy. That's true. That's true. You have to learn what you can bear and what you can't. I cannot read reviews of my work. I oh, you do not? No, not unless it's from a magazine that I okay. trust. I, no, I don't. So you're not on Amazon skewering the reviews to see what people are saying. That is, that is the way to feel like never writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gave you one star because that book costs more than it ought to. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a friend of uh, Jeff and I's who's a writer, and what he does is he goes into the Amazon reviews, and the worst one that he finds, he takes that person's name and kills them in the next book. That's like his way of cleansing himself. I think that is absolutely valid. <laughs> that is, uh, you go. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, just, just going to kill that person off next. <laughs> but you had to read the review. I mean, to yeah. me, that's soul-killing to find find yourself so misunderstood right i mean you know well she did this because of this and i'm going no i didn't you yeah. know she just wants to make more money well yeah who doesn't i'm sorry right. I, yeah. I, I don't mind making money uh when i'm trying to make a living yeah. but they attribute that as the basis for all my decisions and i would make a lot different decisions if it were <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Charlene, this has been absolutely fabulous. I hope you've had a wonderful time talking about your career and going kind of over everything. And of course, getting into the Gunny Rose series, which is now forefront. Can't wait to see what they do with Sookie and never know. Maybe she comes back. Maybe. We'll, we'll see what happens. Guys, it's, I've had a great time. Thank you. Thank you. It's Thank been a blast. Thank you so much. I'm going to stop recording. And then um, I have a quick question for you. 